critique or score films out of five or ten or tell you what we love or what we hate i sit down with the filmmaker and get them to give us an insight into the process of making their movie what they discovered what they learned all those kind of things or i get to sit down with a, a horror film fan and get them to tell me five great british horror films that they think we should all take interest in either way this podcast is provided totally free without any outside advertising so, if you enjoy it, please make sure to subscribe in iTunes, and if you've got that bit more time, write me a review too. It all helps. Thank you. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast, and today I'm talking five great British horror films with Yorkshireman Julian Butler. Hello, Julian. Hello. How are you, Stuart? I'm doing very well. Let's not pretend. We've... Uh, We've just done a podcast discussing your yeah. your uh, portmanteau that you did with Mark Goodall, Holy Terrors, which is available now on DVD, yeah? Yeah, yeah. We just had a quick chat about that, so that should be there to watch as well on the BritFlix website, I would have thought. Now, you've, you've got you, your, your five films that you've chosen yes. are, uh, yeah. I guess, I guess you've, you've taken my, 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 um, my title, Five Great British Horror Films, and you've really ran with it because uh, I think mm. I think this is the um, I think you've got a first for everything that non, non, mm. nothing you've got on your list. Well, we won't expose what they are just yet. Um, mm. So what I want to do before we start is just remind people of what we're doing. So these are five British horror films that Julian thinks are interesting, and that's why they're chosen. He's not by any means saying these are the best horror films ever to be made in Britain, no. because then we'd just be no. doing a show about three British folklore <laughs> horror films and possibly Hellblazer yeah. and American World for London. Um, <laughs> forever and ever. Sorry. And uh, so, so this is about looking at, looking at what other interesting aspects of what, what people might deem horror, what is what, where good horror ideas appear, because one of the things we discussed off podcast was this notion of, some films can have a good idea and they put that in the first 10 minutes and then <laughs> and then everything else doesn't matter because you've, you've managed to get that good idea in and the notion that yeah. the, of our film is made becomes what happens next. Yes. Well, I think if you've got... I mean, just having one good idea is is, uh, is good. You've it's not to, be well. sni- not to be sniffed at, is it? <laughs> oh, I totally agree. And, and, you know, a lot of films I like, I just like one scene or one... Mm. Part of one line, even, and, I, and the rest of the film I'm not bothered about. I'm just like, oh, this is my favourite line from this. But I watch the whole film, you know, again and again. But you know what I mean? I don't think you have to, and you you can, yeah, you don't have to like a, the whole thing to to get something from something. I don't think. Totally, just, totally. Now choose what you want. Like I say, these are not these are not this is not a definitive list of the best British horror films ever. Also. To keep to keep the, the the thing going and make sure we get ample time to discuss each film, I've set a five minute time limit. So I've got my timer on, and at, at five minutes, Edgar Broughton will shout out "Demons" out at us, and um, 
and uh, that'll be our cue to move on to the next subject. No matter where we are, I mean, we can, you can, you know, I've started to all finish. I'm not going to make you finish, make you go, ah, <laughs> oh, oh, right, never, if you want to. But if the, if the thought's not there and, you, and, you, and you're running on empty, then just stop. And yes. What's also interesting for me, looking at your list before we start, because I can see the list, whereas, yep. the, whereas the, the, the people out there can't see the list, is that you go... You go 1968, and we're going to do it in date order, by the way, so just you, you know that. Um, you go, oh, nine, you okay. go ni- 1968, yeah, and then then your other four choices are all in the 90s. Oh, that's so funny, because I was trying to avoid that so much. <laughs> I, was get, I was trying to get such a wide, oh, you know, I can get them from the 1920s, and then I was just, fuck it, and it just came down to the 90s, basically. And I, I don't know. There we go. <laughs> so what happened there? Fucking sod's law, isn't it? That we we uh, we we spend <laughs> fucking two two hours talking shite, and then and then we start the podcast, yeah. and then uh, the world yeah. the world cuts us out. I'll do I'll do that question again, just to give you this right. give you the setup. Yeah. Now, to, yeah, battery fifteen percent. It should be all right, to be honest. But yeah, we shouldn't have that done. I can, I'll if it gets to the worst, I'll turn on the car engine because I've plugged it into the cigarette lighter okay. charger. If that's all right with you, it'll make a bit of noise, obviously. But I'll just get closer to the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll 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 work it out. We might not. We might we might, we might survive. Um, do you want to turn your Do you want to turn your camera off? Oh yeah, I need to. Turn, I'll turn it off now. Cool. All right. Let's go for it. Okay. I noticed looking at your list that uh, yeah. your, your, your jumpers from 1968 to to them four choices in the 90s, which is interesting. Is Paul Sykes is in the 80s, isn't he, though, I No, not, not that episode. No, the, the, the show runs 83-93. Yeah, right. First and that Tuesday. one's in the 90s, is it? Really? Nin- well, 1990, oh, okay. so it's the fag end of it, so of the 80s. That's the sign of... Something when a documentary looks like the decade previous to it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, well, like I said, I think um, some of these films I, I don't really hear or read. It's hard to to find out a lot about some of these films. Um, so I'm just trying to sort of say here's something else that uh, is interesting that I find interesting. And I cool. suppose it happens to be well, from the nineties. Well, let's start with your first one. So, all the way back in 1968, a kind of, I guess, a halcyon period for uh, horror film output in Britain. And yep. you've gone for the uh, adaptation of Dennis Wheatley's Devil Rides Out. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose, well, I mean, what I was going to say is that I've, I've been having to watch these films. Yeah. Uh, just to sort of get my head around them, and, and this, which has been interesting. And some of them have given me sort of, uh, like you know, nightmares. Basically, this isn't one of the ones that gave me nightmares, but I still have a soft spot for it. Mm. Um, and yeah, just what I don't know, just watching it again. I mean, I could say a, a little bit about it. I suppose most people know. Well, let's not assume because about... we've got we've got generations between right. when this film was made. So, what what's the basic gist of it? That's true. 
So I suppose it's a uh, it's <laughs> bizarrely starts with a biplane landing with uh, and a guy coming out of a biplane. That has no relevance to the rest of the the script at all. But it's sort of a group of three friends who meet, and one of them has got involved in a satanic cult, hmm. uh, and then it's basically the two friends are left trying to get this guy out of the satanic cult. That's like the basic story of it, really. Um, uh, and weirdly, watching it again, I realised that even though it's filmed in 1968, so, that, so the book itself, um, like I said by Dennis Wheatley, is, is written in was written in 1934, I think. Mm. Uh, and I think this film, even though it's it's filmed in 68, is meant to be in the 30s. I was sort of watching it and I realised, why is this, why are they they're driving around in these cars that look like sort of towed in toad hall sort of cars and he's in a biplane. I was like, oh, they, they, what Hammer have done, obviously because they're known for their sort of historical horror, mm. is they they've set it in the period of the book. I'm sure this is right, but it's sort of a weird setting. It doesn't quite work. But I've always wondered what that would be like. You know, you get these films now that might be set in a, in the 80s or, you know, they try and create a retro 70s or uh, like we talked about, the uh, David Fincher film. Um, uh, and I always wondered what that would be like if a film was made in in the past, but it was trying to be set in a even further back in time. And I suppose this is what this looks like. Have you, um, have you, have you read the book? I did many, many, many years ago, yes. And the, I remember it being very dodgy. Um very racist basically yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's very it's it's uh, uh, as much as that uh, that be a product of the time and obviously got agatha christie has got has got her skeletons in the closet as well from that period but what was mm. fast what what what's always stuck with me about the book and this is nothing mm. to do with the devil at all it's more the devil mm. and the detail is um there's a moment where they're describing how someone's lost their mind and it's because yeah. he rented a flat in Regent's Park when there was still plenty available in Mayfair. Like this <laughs> idea that he was slumming it around Regent's Park, which, which obviously in 2017 is a ridiculous notion to be slumming it around Regent's Park. But it's just the, the, the mm, voice of... Actually sleeping rough. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this notion of, I mean, just the measure of what madness was back then, you know? This idea yeah, that, no, that's it. He's, he's a weird character, Dennis Wheatley. I, I looked him up on Wikipedia and there's some bizarre pictures of him with a load of medals, like stood by a fireplace, you know, with a with a, a port, a, like a glass of port in his hand. And just a strange character. He used to knock him, knock him out, basically, didn't he? He used to knock the books out like like crazy. No, um, no, and I've got, I mean, in, 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 a, in a show I'm doing in the New Year, someone's already put to, to the, the, the film version of To the Devil a Daughter. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's crazier, isn't it? That's, mm. I remember that one. That's with, um, what's the face? Kinski, isn't it? I think so. I can't remember now. I've got to rewatch yeah. it. So, so with, yeah. the, with Devil Rides Out, um, you've got, at the helm, directing it, you've got Terence Fisher, haven't you? Who, yeah. Jeez, right. what, yeah, a filmog- so... what a filmography of British horror film. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, I think, um, so, I, th- I mean, I think what he did with the book... The book is sort of it's quite well researched, I think. Yeah. If you if, well, Satanism, but but plot wise, it's it's a mess. But I think Terence Fisher manages to get the pull the the 
the absolute basics of the plot and sort of turns it into this good versus evil thing, I suppose, Christopher Lee. And then um, uh, what's his name? The Charles Gray, you know, the guy who plays the, the Satanist in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's, who's amazing. He's a <laughs> oh, there's Edgar Broughton telling you to stop talking about... Uh... Oh. So, we'll uh, swiftly move on. And now we'll go from 1968 to 1990 for Paul, Paul Sykes, Sykes at Large, the TV documentary. Wait. Now, do you want yeah, to tell so us quickly, a bit yeah. about what this is? Yeah, all right. So um, this is a documentary on a, a strand called First Tuesday, produced by a guy called Roger Greenwood. I've actually I used to do a voiceover for me on something years ago. He's got a brilliant voiceover, but um, so he produced it. It's basically a documentary about this character called Paul Sykes from Wakefield who thinks he is Britain's hardest man. So it's sort of one of those sort of characters, you know, the sort of Charles Bronson mm. Uh, type character. So he's been in he's been in prison a lot. He um, uh, the documentary follows him coming out of uh, prison and try and then what his life is after that basically. Um, uh, he goes to see. I think they call him a local businessman, but he, I don't know uh, how uh, on the side of legal his business matters are. But he goes to see a guy. Uh, called Dennis Flint uh, for some work. He set up a collection company called the Last Resort Collection Agency. Threatnograms a speciality. Um, so he goes to see him for some work. That the that scene where he meets that guy Dennis Flint is un- unbelievable. It's I like have a, seen. I'm just now you're talking about him. I have seen this. This is amazing. It's quite yeah. Quite a few people have. I think um, this is the one. This is the one that centres around the boxing club, isn't it? <laughs> he does do some boxing like he was uh, a friend of mine showed me a video once of him he he once boxed in a north versus the south like bare knuckle boxing fight <laughs> that was available on video and he, he represented the north obviously so yeah he, he's a boxer um but he's a he's just such a crazy character but he's he's sort of um you know you're sort of drawn to him i mean the reason why it's a uh, horror for me is just the fact that you are drawn to his character. He's entertaining. He's funny, but he's just fucking terrifying as well. And he just slapped the shit out of you basically at any given moment, but he's sort of compelling to watch. So it sort of switches between those two and, and watching it again now, like it used to be really, really funny. And watching it is, is absolutely hilarious. And but watching it again now, I couldn't watch the scenes uh, where he's with his kids so basically, he's he's his his dad's in it as well, and mm. so many following with his dad, and his dad used to beat him up and stuff. And then basically, looking online, like his two sons are in the film; they're both locked up now for murder. So it's wow. a it's a genuinely tragic, properly tragic story. And you know, he's openly like admits to being institutionalized and wants to go back to prison as much as he as soon as he gets out, he, he misses it, wants to go back and. Um, so yeah, the, when I watched it again, I, re, I realised that the, the, there is that horror of of what can happen to a character like that and how it repeats itself. Really, that's all. Yeah, because you know. in a way, the way the way that what I remember of the when 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 we go when we go into the boxing club and he's mentoring a couple of kids, isn't he? That um... yes, he, he has a, a more than a couple. He's, he like runs a yeah. child's 
school, you know, schooling after, after school sort of gym thing. <laughs> and one of them, when one of them, I mean, they're talking about that kind of hair trigger. One of them is caught ste- for stealing something from the club, isn't it, or something like that, if I'm rightly. And that doesn't end well for them in terms of the, <laughs> the kind of thick hair they get. But it, but it, but it, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's a, it's like it's a, it's a weird moment of emotion, isn't it? Because he's genuinely disappointed that they haven't followed his lead. You know, he's he's trying desperately mm. to go, he's desperately trying to go straight, isn't he? Is kind of the thing, even though, like mm. you say, he openly talks about being institutionalized. Um, mm. But also, I think I think it heightened weirdly. It highlights the horror of if you think of someone that is institutionalized versus the fact that you and I value our liberty and our freedom. Um, mm. Being free in the world today is complicated, isn't it? And that's kind of, I'm guessing what he's, what he's liking about prison life is that it's, it's just you versus whoever, yeah. whoever wants to take you down. And that's, if you solve well, that problem. It's even more simple, I think, for me. Like, he literally says, he doesn't have to worry where his next meal's coming from. Oh, wow. Well, doesn't okay. have to, so he doesn't have to think. Oh, and he says, um, he says, I'm, I'm one of the very few people in Britain, 1% of people who have their actual rights written down. That's what he says. No, I mean, yes, yo, yeah, 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 yeah. And so he goes, I'm the very, you know, you don't have that. You on the outside don't have your rights written down. So he uses this because he's sort of intelligent as well. Well, he is intelligent. And so he's using this, this rule book to get things like radios and things and, and sort of hold the, the screws. His dad used to be a screw, that was it as well. Um, so, yeah, you know, he's, he's, he knows what's going on. It's just that idea that he can just switch and go, and go completely potty at any moment that makes it terrifying. Well, I guess if you're not scared of where that leads, then then the, con- the, fear, the lack of fear of consequence <laughs> means there's no kind of filter on it, is there? For him, you mean? The yeah, 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 yeah. You mean, yeah, yeah. Because what's the worst they can do? Put him somewhere. Put him back where yeah. he was, where he's been released from. Right. Where so that, right. Was, yeah. that was Edgar Broughton again. Now we're yeah, gonna okay. we're gonna make a leap to 1991 for our next one, which is uh, um, Alex Chandon's Drill Bit Bad Camera, <laughs> which is which is a short. <laughs> is that short films? Aren't they these? Well, yes, they are. It's an odd one. They're. Um... They're sort of, I think, I don't know. I don't know the right, <laughs> I've got to admit, I'm going to be going from memory on these ones now. Um, but the together, they almost make a sort of feature running time or, or sort of, a, you know, maybe 70 okay. minutes or something like that. I mean, I, I first saw them, like a friend of mine got a tape from Alex of his films mm. and they were both back to back on a VHS tape. Got so it. first you watched Bad Karma and then you just went into Drill Bit and, I always see them as one thing in a way. And yeah. I quite like that idea that you would do, you don't really know what you're watching when you if you you know you're watching this thing like well, all right we're going into another film now like you know half an hour into you've just watched a half hour film now is another film I quite like that it's sort of quite disorientating. And what was what um, was the appeal at the time because I think it was we were saying off podcast there was very much a reaction for you seeing something shot yeah. on video. Yeah, well, I suppose it's just a part of that um, that time in a way, like pre YouTube, and um, but when video camcorders were were available um, for for rent from radio rentals or wherever you wanted to get them, and you know, like you you could make a film for nothing really. I suppose that was maybe the first time you could do that. 
Whereas, you know, previously you still had to get 16 mil film. You had to, I'm sure there are some, a lot of exceptions, but, you know, there were, there were quite a few people making those films, basically, um, and selling them through fanzines and, um, and yeah, and sort of just creating its own little culture, really. And you'd get these tapes passed around and you'd go and see there were, <clears throat> there were other films at the time, um, like Rhino Bitch was another one and Paper Bag Man was another one. And so, yeah. Who was really making, just... who made, who's making those? Is that on more like Shannon stuff or is that something else? No, no, these were other filmmakers. Um, Paper Bag Man was made by a guy called Paul Trinton, who's a, a guy I've known for many years. Rhino Bitch. Ah, oh, fuck. Maybe a guy called Tom Moose. That's ringing a bell. Hmm. He sort of disappeared, basically. Like, just, just. But these, were, these were films knocking about like locally for you, in. No, no, they weren't being made in Yorkshire. They were being made around Britain. Okay. Um, but yeah, you'd, you'd sort of hear about them through. Um, oh, you know, you'd show a film at a festival and uh, meet up with them, or you'd read about them in fanzines and. Um, yeah, and just get in touch with them. It's sort of like I say before YouTube, before email. So it's sort of sending. It was, fe- it was featured on um, as part of a film that was played years ago at Scala called VHS Heroes, a celebration of yeah. cam- Camcorder Mavericks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah and, you, and, and obviously that 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 led to you making the likes of Fatliners and oh, Hunt for Yorkshire Grimaces and so on. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hunt for the uh, Al Killy was the first one we made, which was a like a kung fu <coughs> uh, Yorkshire kung, Yorkshire's first kung fu film. Hmm. Uh, and Hunt for the Yorkshire Grimace after that. Fatliners was sort of an experiment in trying to take that style uh, too far, almost like to give it too much, like too too many people, too many actors, too many. Too many scenes, there's too much going on. It never really worked, I don't think. But um, but yeah, so um, yeah, I suppose um, it, it was, I guess, inspired by people like this. And uh, what do you remember specifically well, about the kind of gore that, that Alex was making then? What was what was the? Well, yeah, about so it? so bad karma was basically like a group of people in a house, and there's a knock at the door, and I think it was like the Harry Krishnas coming to collect collect at the door and then basically they come in and start mutating and then just you know start murdering everyone in there and and you know blood and gore everywhere it's that sort of peter jackson you know like the early peter jackson yeah, yeah type yeah. things like that sort of look um and sort of typical of these films like obviously he is filmed in his own house presumably but because they kept coming up with different ideas for different deaths you've got it just feels like the house is completely not endless. It just stretches forever because they've really? obviously said, well, let's have a scene where this happens. So, so they film that in another room. It just feel, feels like his house has got a completely endless amount of rooms that the the creatures go from room to room killing people in. Um, and then it just ends. There we go. Oh, there you go. That was, uh, that was uh, <laughs> drill bit bad car, Alex Chandon. Thank you very much. Uh, next on the agenda is a jump, an, a jump forward to um, 1993. So we've got 1990, 1993, and this is the and this I'm I'm really I'm this is more shocking. I feel that like I don't know this one, but the Secret Adventures of Tom Thumb. Do you want to tell us briefly what's that about? 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's basically a sort of reworking of the Tom Thumb folktale. Right. Um, but set in a, God knows, like a dystopian nightmare realm, I suppose. Mm. God knows if it's in the, where, where it's set. It's Britain, I guess. Um, but the, the main thing about it is the, the amazing thing about it. It's an amazing film. And the amazing thing is they used a, a technique called pixelation where you basically animate the, the actors, the human actors. So it's an animated film, I suppose. I need to say that. Yeah. But what they've done. So imagine like Tom Thumb himself is a bit like Morph, like this little, little character. Yeah. Um, but what they've done is they've and the hu- the humans who interact with him they've also animated them frame by frame. So as an actor, you would have to stand there, completely stock still, and then they would move the little morph character, move his arms up in the air, and then you would have to move your arms up in the air. They take a picture, then they do the same. See what I mean? So you basically yeah. animate humans frame by frame. But it works amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. It sounds like a nightmare, well, but it works. Well, yeah, it wor- It works at the end, I realised, because the, the, the heroes are... See, so Tom Thumb basically um, goes off on this journey and he goes into a sort of a vivisection lab, really, and befriends kid, various kid, characters. Kidnapped, kidnapped by a genetic, genetics lab. <laughs> yeah, it's a genetic. Yeah, thank you. You've, you've <laughs> Wikipedia is doing its job, and um, and then so so yeah, he befriends these weird little creatures from there. Then he goes and he meets basically a character which is Jack the Giant Slayer, and these are these little tiny little creatures as well. Yeah. And then they go and they go hunting the humans, and so uh, so that really Tom Thumb and the little creatures they're the, they're the heroes of the of the film, and the humans are the the baddies really. The humans sort of stumble around, standing on little creatures by accident and stamping on the grabbing them, squeezing them, and so that the style, the pixelation, I think works because it makes the the humans appear less human basically than the than the animated creatures. And is it, and is it, is it a is it a horror film or is it like a kids a kids fantasy adventure? <clears throat> no, it's, de- it's definitely not for kids. Okay, it's definitely not for kids. It's um, it's a, as much a horror as like a David Lynch film, like Eraserhead or something like that. You oh, know, okay. where you feel really unsettled by it. It was it was distributed by Manga, bizarrely, um, in the early nineties. I guess they must have had some money and were putting money into animation programs. I think it was. Um, I think some money with the BBC put money in, but then they found it too dark. So, yeah, it's hard for me to to describe. Really, it's sort of. I mean, the only reason yeah, they asked, the only reason they asked if it was that kind of, you know, not for children, that is, is that that Dave Borthwick, who, who directed Tom, Thumb, yeah, right, yeah, went on to do Magic Roundabout and Dougal. Yeah, <clears throat> that's the weirdest thing. That's sort of, sort of ten ten years about. later, it's kind of bonkers, yeah. really. Oh, that's so strange, so strange. And I thought, because uh, on on the on the video package, it always says Bole- Bolex Brothers, you know, named after the camera. Yeah. Um, and I always, I always imagined it was only now watching it again. I looked, oh, is this guy, this one guy made this? I always, always imagined two brothers making this. Uh, but yeah, and then I looked more into him, and I can sort of see where he's coming from. He's that sort of sixties character. Um, involved in that sort of more underground like he was in bristol so mm. the stuff that 
Aardman came out of, and you know, he's sort of involved, and and he's obviously inspired by Svankmeyer, you know, that that sort of um, Eastern European animation. Bruce Bickford, the guy who did stuff for Frank Zappa, so he's obviously into that type of stuff. Come up in the '60s, and then, you know, he's he's a he's an animator. He wants to keep going and so something like Dougal's Magic Roundabout I suppose it's got the sort of drugs references to it but it is a weird but this, a weird, the, this Tom Thumb uh, film just seems so out of step with yeah. I mean, what was what, 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 you... what go on sorry, sorry that's what I like about it basically it just seems I don't even know anything like it now and I don't even you know it's such a strange film to exist really because if, if you like, try... didn't do anything yeah, I'm going to say, if you try and contextualise it, you think that that was like the pinnacle of, uh, you know, all the kind of that new, new wave of American stuff. That, you know, it's, I guess you started off with sort of slacker and Reservoir Dogs and then Pulp Fiction and all that. And, and yet this is this film where a man is regressing I suppose, into... Well, I suppose you could see there was there was sort of Beavis and Butthead and, and that side of things, wasn't okay, there, where yeah. animation was was growing up a bit, I suppose. I suspect that's why manga put money into it. But it's nothing like those. Mm. It's more like Spankmire, you know, that stuff, or, or the Key Brothers, you know, that... No, I don't know that art. stuff. OK. Oh, Spankmire's brilliant. You'll know his stuff if you um, if you look it up, like um, two characters eating each other. And it's proper surrealism, basically, but done with clay and things. Brilliant. Uh, you'd recognise it. You'd definitely have seen it. Late night, Channel 4, <laughs> 1980s, <laughs> into the 90s, you'd definitely recognise it. Now, your, your uh, final choice is Wizard as Forward to 1997, yeah. and it's probably, the, of, of the films you've chosen, it's probably the more obtuse and, and, uh, and therefore most interesting compared to maybe some of the other shows they've done. I think it sort of springboards off of um, people who've been on the, the, the five great British horror films and, and gone, okay, I'm not going to just choose a feature film. I'm going to look at something that I really, I really sort of admire. And, and you've chosen something which people probably would associate more with the music than anything else. But why, why yeah. would you put in come to daddy by Chris Cunningham, the, uh, <laughs> the video for, um, the Aphex Twin Tune, as <laughs> in a list of five great British horror films. Because <laughs> it's horrific. Go on, tell, so, tell for those that haven't seen it, why why would it be horrific? Um, well, I suppose it's quite a straight scenario, really. Is it? I don't know, but it's basically a a sort of woman on a on a housing estate, an old woman being threatened by some children. It's that that's a very sort of traditional horror film. I think it was actually filmed on the um at the same uh, the same housing state that they did some Clockwork Orange. They shot some of the Clockwork Orange. So it's sort of that story. But I suppose what makes it disturbing is that all the kids have got uh, Richard James's face. So they've all got masks and and they all look like the Aphex twin. And that weirdly makes it so disturbing. Um but I mean, if you, Chris Cunningham, the guy who directed it, said that it was meant to be funny. It was just they were just doing it, and it was meant to be amusing. And then they find, <laughs> and they're watching it afterwards and going, "Shit, that is really disturbing." <laughs> so, so I don't know what uh, Richard James thinks of that. Like, I, I guess I was going to say, I guess really I guess that's the difference between you know when people say you know people try and say, well, there was we were just on set making the film, you know. 
five feet from where that head was getting garroted, there's a there's a there's a gaffer <laughs> picking his nose. You know, it's not real. But but yeah. what happens with um, with when you then put it together and, and present it as a film? It then yeah. you don't own it anymore, do you? Not the, the interpretation of it is is yeah. for the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, doesn't um, to- Toby Hooper say that about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? He just says it was uh, it was meant to be a comedy, like a dark comedy, uh, but everyone took it the wrong way. And I think, uh, yeah, it's obviously like I suppose you just run with it, wouldn't you? If, you, <clears throat> if that happened, you go right, okay, well, we'll just flog this as a horror film then, I suppose. But um, and, and I think there, there's there's definitely a fine line between something that's very funny and something that's horrible as well, I think. Well, I mean, that taps into something you talked about off podcast, about your own changing attitudes towards horror, where (laughs) where you you were saying that where once you would instinctively laugh and find the fun in horror, Mm. Mm. this journey you've been on sort of revisiting this stuff and probably looking at other things to try and work Mm. out your five has left you Mm. with with thoughts at night as lay ahead in a pillow, which is what people might expect from watching horror. <laughs> so the idea of being... I still found them funny, though. It was, okay. Especially Come to Daddy. When when I started watching it, I was laughing a lot. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I can still see the humour in it, whereas the Paul Sykes thing, like I said, there's bits I can't watch now. And, like, and, and I think, what was I doing whilst I was... When I was laughing at the other stuff when I was younger, what did what did I think at this point when it was when it is genuinely disturbing? What mm. was I laughing? Or I think I was just looking the other way or have it go into the toilet. What, what is it about Chris? Just... What is about Chris Cunningham's direction that you, that you? Because mm. like? I mean, he comes from a from a from a fine yeah. art background, not not from a filmmaking yeah, background. Yeah, yeah, no, he's good. I think he's editing. I think I think that's the. Uh, that's his uh, skill, to be honest. So he comes from a sort of special effects background, I think, as well. Oh, really? He's done a lot of prosthetics and comic book covers and things like that. So I think that's where he comes from. But it's it's definitely his editing. And when you watch his stuff, it feels like the music was made by the things you're watching. It's not he's not illustrating the music. It sounds like the music is the the foley for the for what you're looking at. You know what I mean? Okay. So and it's, and it's especially with Come to Daddy when you watch the beginning before it starts, before the drum and bass starts up, it's sort of these sound effects which are on the track, the original track. Like, well, this is just this just looks like they're the you know a horror film, and these are the sound effects over the top. Mm. So you know what I mean? Sort of. So that's very clever. Um, and then his editing is crazy, but I mean, I, I was he's done other things since. He, I think he's an example of someone I think who needs to fulfill his potential i feel but i don't know i saw some of his live stuff i'd love i've never seen it live mm. i've never seen him do that stuff but it that looked incredible the, the live stuff he's doing so looking into this film again i've it sort of revitalized my love of his stuff i guess so mm. um yeah so so maybe he is fulfilling it but just well there we go that's the uh that signals the end of the five great British horror films from, uh, from Julian Buller. No, that was good. Thank you. Really, really, really interesting. Look, because because you've you've, you've you've presented us with you know with with Devil Rides Out. I suppose would be the one traditional film that yeah. people might expect yeah, to see. Um, but, but the Paul Sykes at large one is an interesting one. I've forgotten I'd seen it until you started to describe it. And mm. yeah, there there is there mm-hmm. is some there is the re- the horrors of real life, and I think just. 
the notion that there's a lot of us who, unbeknownst to us, can cope with real life. And then what this film shows is the the rigours of what civil society makes you do are, for, are not for the people that are broken, you know. And 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 we did we never mm. tried to fix Paul Sachs when he was in prison, did we? Really, judging from the mm. film. And obviously, Alex Chandon is a is I guess it, would you say that's a a kind of a direct influence on what you that gave you the confidence to start making stuff or no, making no, stuff, I mean, making stuff making in that stuff, style making stuff in that style yeah, we no no me and, I mean the stuff we make I don't think was in his style anyway and we were just making it anyway um, we were in a little bubble just doing our stuff anyway and mm. it was only after having made those films that these other people who were doing the same thing. Mm started coming up to us and saying like, Oh, you know, we like what you're doing. We're doing this as well. So yeah. Um, don't think, I don't know what the influence was. The influence was just basically having a, for, for us making our stuff, having a camcorder and trying to make each other laugh. That's all it was. <laughs> there you go. And you, and, and I mean, one, 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 I, I once played this for the listener, not for you, for you, well, you can, obviously you're listening to me. Uh, I once, I what. <laughs> I once made the, mis- the, 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 the mistake of playing one of Julian's films yeah. to a group of people that weren't ready for it. There'd been a kind of very, a very jovial look and very ironic look at American Psycho. And the way people yeah. talked about it, I went, oh, I've got this film with me. I had it in my bag. I was showing it to somebody else mm. who'd only won. Mm. And so a group of people who I only knew about half of them, who'd all been mm. big Joe Potatoes about, about what they enjoyed about American Psycho, and yeah. the op- the opening um, yeah. the opening moment of of Home for Yorkshire Grimace is yeah. is uh, Hitler giving a backstreet abortion from the right and uh, <laughs> it's not Hitler but um, but it's it's, it's, it's it, it makes it makes he's got the Hitler moustache hasn't he from the right oh he has yeah yeah sorry yeah yeah, yeah. so so I was trying to deny it. <laughs> It's not that bad. <laughs> but it's like, it's interesting how in the context of watching it with other people who are then yeah. horrified by oh, what, you, yeah. what you think is funny, yeah. you begin to see what they, it's not that they come to you. They don't go, oh yeah, look, Stu, yeah, it's funny. They, I find myself going, oh my God, yeah, no, it really isn't. This isn't normal. And I don't mean that as a, as a criticism, but it's like you kind of... <laughs> You, your own viewing habits yeah. normalise what you think is shocking. And then when you bring it to people who don't watch shocking things. Absolutely, yeah. And, and those people, some people think they do watch shocking things, but no. they don't, really. No, and, and, I, and they, it's they, not a rite of passage. I don't, it's not a braggadoo thing. It's just, it's interesting. No. That it's like when you take yeah, someone yeah. to the Tate Modern, isn't it? And they go, well, that's a load of shit. And you're like going, is that, is that your criticism? Is that it? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, well, no. I know just... it's because you mentioned the um, that VHS Heroes mm. screening. Yeah. Uh, so they showed Yorkshire Grimace there because Yorkshire Grimace has had a very sort of weird history of not being screened at festivals and the sound not working and shit like that. Yeah. That I've, I've never really had it. I've had it shown a couple of times properly, but not not in many places. But apparently down there, they showed it about eleven o'clock, and it went down really well. You're like it, absolutely, people were pissing themselves from beginning to end. So, so I think it, it is completely weird. It's really weird how you can show. Yeah, it just depends who you're with, really. But I, I think that's good. It's a good, it's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's hilarious myself. 
Well, no, it, it, it is on it is on lots of levels, but yeah, shock it. You can't help people being shocked by something because it's the it, it's it's all yeah. about what you what you've done before you get there, isn't it? Because I remember yeah. I remember the first time I ever listened to Trapmaster Replica, and that was like 1991, yeah. and I'd heard nothing like it, and it took me till 2014 yeah. to be able to listen to it again. Yeah, well, and did you like it when you first heard it or not? No, I liked I liked the bits that were catchy. But I thought there's no yeah. way on earth I'm ever going to listen to this at all, all told. And then, no. then, then you come back to it having gone in. I mean, we're digressing from British films here, but like, I don't mind. Well, let's go. <laughs> we'll go with it. It's the uh, you, you, I heard the do, the Diddy Wah Diddy cover that he does on a compilation of psychedelic music. I was like, that's Captain Beefheart, right? Okay. Mm. So then I get Safe as mm. Milk, which is more traditional, but mm. still a bit off kilter, bluesy psychedelic pop. Yeah. Then I skip yeah. over track myself because I'm still scared of it, and I get to yeah. clear, clear hotspot and all those kind of things. And I'm, and you you know a tune like Tropical Hot Dog Night, it's just phenomenal. I don't even know what brain can do it, but he's done it because <laughs> it's 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 it to my ears it's poppy and and really catchy. Mm. But then I like like with your film, I've then played it to people that don't listen to stuff that might be no. a bit off kilter, and they're like, "What the fuck's that?" And you're like, "No, it's <laughs> listen, it's really look." He's put those words together, and they're like, "So what?" And you're like, <laughs> like you know, the well, fact when people can put like two flamingo, two pink flamingos in a thingy fight, you're like, "Yeah, this is an imagination that's 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 on overdrive." But yeah, let's not talk about. Go on. Oh well, no, I was just going to say it's all right. Go on, say what you're going to say. No, I was just going to wrap make... us up, but before I do, then you've, yeah. you 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 had that thought. Go on, please. Well, no, I was going to just make the same point that you just said, really, but um, about I've got to be careful because when I first, if I have a, an adverse reaction to something, when I first <clears throat> see it or listen to it, I have to be careful because that's often things that I come back to and that I really, really love later on. Um, whereas things that I go, oh, this is good at the beginning, uh, just they they don't stick around, but... Yeah, but then some things I'll listen and watch and I really do hate at the beginning and then I carry on hating them. So I have to sort of be careful with that reaction, you know what I mean? No, no, totally, when no, when, totally. Well, I, look, sir, let's, let's, uh, let's wrap things up. Um, I'm very Good. grateful for you to come on and give us your time talking about five great British horrors. I think there's well, some things that people won't have seen, which is great. Um, and, uh, and we'll be introduced to stuff. I think for me, The Secret Adventures of Tom Thumb is now a must-see. Um, yeah, I would say that is probably the one as well, to be honest. Without um, a doubt. Now, now it'd be remiss for me not to just give you a quick plug. You've got you've got a mm. portmanteau called Holy Terrors that you've you've produced and directed with Mark Goodall, and that's available yeah. on DVD <laughs> and is showing at festivals and the like. So I'll put a link to the Facebook page and a link to the website in the show notes. Thank you very much. That'll be much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, it's a feature film of um, short stories by a strange mythical writer called Arthur Macken, sort of Victorian-era writer, the sort of British H.P. Lovecraft, I guess. Um, six little short films in a, in a feature film. So, uh, yeah, if you fancy some strangeness, a bit like The Secret Adventures of Tom Thumb, then give it a go. Perfect. <laughs> Britflix.com podcast is provided totally free without any outside advertising. So if you enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe at iTunes and write me a review. Thank you.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.